Welcome to Gratitude Sandwich, the little podcast that hopes to make a big impact in your life through shared story from regular people just like you who are here sharing their experience of how gratitude maybe surprised them in their life. Challenging times, joyful times, surprising times, all can bring us to a place where we learn something. And so in retrospect, gratitude is the residual. So together, let's listen to today's story. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. 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 So welcome to Gratitude Sandwich. Today on the podcast, we're speaking with Erin Peckinpah. She is a mom, a yoga instructor, teacher, volunteer, and food insecurity ninja. (laughs) A strange idea. She fell into a successful business organizing pop-up yoga events for causes all over Indianapolis. There is a sign hanging in her sacred space that says, start each day with a grateful heart. So there's nobody I can think of better to have on the podcast. Erin loves running, hiking, paddleboarding, and showing up. And she told me she's honored to be a part of this delicious gratitude sandwich today. So welcome, Erin. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. I really appreciate it. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. Erin is one of my favorite people on the planet, by the way. I feel the same way about you. (laughs) I've been lucky enough to teach at a few of her pop-up events, and it's been really, really fun. And so we can just get right into it. Tell us all about your journey and to where you're coming through this gratitude path that you're on. Sure. I think my journey really started about two years ago when I met an 11-year-old boy named Austin. And Austin lives in a low-income area right in the heart of Indianapolis. So I got to know Austin through a friend who did a story on him at WTHR. And basically his story is when he was 11 years old, he was hungry. And he had four siblings and a single mom. And they barely had any food in their cabinets, but all they had was a bag of beans and a bag of rice. So what Austin decided to do is he decided to plant the bag of beans in his backyard and those beans ended up growing. So we realized... Stop for a second. I'm sorry. This story blows my mind. So this boy is 11 years old. Yeah. And... It's a bag of beans. So you're talking about like dried beans, like people. Dried beans that you might pick up for 89 cents at your local Walmart or Kroger. So it's just a bag of beans. Oh my gosh. And (laughs) I'm sorry. I love to grow things, but I did not know that dried beans would grow again. I guess they are all, seeds are all dried out somehow, right? And I don't think that Austin knew that either. I think he was (laughs) just saying, I'm really hungry and I have to figure out a way to feed my family. So he decided to give it a shot and it worked, right? So he started growing, he started growing these beans and he had success with it. And he realized that if he kept growing things that he could eventually feed his family. And one night he woke up, he tells this story that one night he woke up and he realized that he had a neighbor that lived a few doors down that was also hungry, just like he was. 
And so he decided it was time to feed his neighbors. And he found an empty lot just a few blocks over. He contacted the owner of the lot. At first, he had to call the city. So he's 11. He's calling the city of Indianapolis. What? And trying to figure out how he can put in a community garden in his neighborhood to feed his neighbors after feeding his own family. So here he is living in a poverty scenario with not enough food on his own table, reaching out to now feed his neighbors. Unbelievable. Feeding this kid and getting a tour of his garden, seeing the way that he lit up over this kind act and serving his neighbors was just very inspiring to me. And I knew there were probably a lot more kids just like Austin living in the city of Indianapolis. Mm. So one day I walked into the downtown Patitude because I was working at Channel 13 at the time just to get a salad. And sitting on the table was a tabletop tent that talked about the Patitude Foundation and the great work they were doing to serve high quality food to kids living in food deserts. Right. So the city of Indianapolis has about one in five people who are battling food insecurity, which means they're going for long amounts of time feeling hungry is basically what it comes down to. So something moved inside me when I read about this great work the Patitude Foundation was doing. And I realized there's probably a lot of kids like Austin who don't know that they have these superpowers to do good work in their community. And so I started teaching a weekly class to a group of about eight to 12, four through sixth graders and educating them about high quality foods and trying to empower them to do exactly what Austin did. And that's to plant seeds that could grow and feed their own families. So that's really where the whole gratitude wave kind of hit me was right after I met Austin. So where did you meet him? Just... I met, well, we met at his house, but I met him through my friend, Emily, who had done a story on him through WTHR. So I initially saw the story and I was like, wow, I got to meet this kid. And I know just the person to ask to be able to meet him. And she connected me with his mother, Dorothea. And then we set up a time to meet. And so when you teach, do you still teach the children then? I do. I teach them every Thursday night. And then we sit down and we eat a meal together that the Patitude Foundation serves. What? Now, so where where does that take place? Is that in one of the neighborhoods then? or Correct. So they serve eight schools in central Indiana. So it's about five miles from my house. Uh, but they they reach about eight different schools and they're the most struggling schools. So they're schools that are either feeding into homeless shelters or serving a population that is living in food insecurity. So they've identified these eight schools and that's where they serve about 400, 500 meals every day now. Oh my gosh. So the Patitude Foundation now is coming into the actual schools to do this. I don't know why I didn't catch that. I've been going to their restaurants, uh, the public greens for years and knowing that this was this great thing, but I didn't, I didn't really know how it ha- how it worked. So, that's- so they have this beautiful kitchen and the chef named Twinkle Van Winkle, that's a real uh-uh. name. Uh-uh. She makes the meals every night and she they've, they've grown a lot. So she has to make 400 to 500 meals, which is not easy for one person to do. But then they have a delivery service. So someone then takes the meals out to the schools and then the volunteers will show up and they serve the meals and then they sit with the kids and eat and teach them about the food that they're eating. Wow. And so 
So interesting. So when you're working with the children in this classroom setting, then is it like a kitchen and they actually do cooking or do we talk about how does that work? <laughs> so we're in one of the classrooms and it's an after school club. Ah. So there are about eight to 12 kids who gather around and each week we have a meal that we make together. So for example, last week was a fruit salad. We'll be making guacamole in a couple of weeks. And it's just so fun to see the way that these kids light up. They get to use knives. So they're trusted to really make the meal from scratch themselves. Wow. And what about how long have you been doing that now then? So I'm on my third semester of teaching that class. And how has that evolved for you? In the beginning, I was really nervous to walk into this school. Uh, I hadn't taught in a really long time. And I think doing something new makes anyone nervous. So I just remember feeling a lot of fear and a lot of nerves. And as I brought the bin into the table, I started to set up and a little girl named Alana bopped up and she said, Hi, I'm Alana. How can I help you? And from that moment on, it just was like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to become a team and we're going to make this happen together. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. I was just on a a coaching call with a client and she was discussing the same thing, how she's come to this place where she has learned that when something feels uncomfortable, it's exactly where she should go. I know. Yeah. Yes. Pushing into your edge. It's pushing into your edge. And I think Sunday was another good example of that. I taught paddleboard yoga for the first time. And I felt a lot of those feelings of this feels like a risk. What am I doing? What happens when someone falls in the water? So yeah, I think there was a lot of those emotions going on. And that's where I knew like, you're in the right place. Just go do it. Right? Yes. 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 And I, if I understand correctly, you're going to be teaching more of that paddleboard yoga, right? Correct. Yep. We're going to do one more session. Um, I'm so thankful that people showed up. I'm thankful that it went well. The waters were a little choppy in the morning, but the afternoon session was a lot more calm. So, so you are clearly multi-talented all over the place Mm -hmm. teaching kids. Did you have any background in teaching children? I do do have uh, a degree in education. Mm, So that made that part a natural, but did you, you were not, this is, was not your, um, job job. Can you tell everybody how you moved, how how that came about? Sure. So so I got a degree in education and then I decided it just wasn't for me at the time. And then I ended up working at a radio station and that radio station job then led to a television job and sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. So for 14 years, I worked in television sales and marketing and it was a great career. And I was very happy there for a really long time until I wasn't. And that Uh happened. (laughs) in career. So there was, it was actually a Brene Brown documentary. And I think you love Brene too, don't you, Lori? I do. So it was her call to courage documentary where she said, you can be comfortable or you can be courageous, but you can't be both at the same time. So you have to just decide which one you want. And I think that's what pushed me. I had all these really wonderful things going on and I was showing up to teach the Patitude Foundation once a week. And I just could feel that that was where my passion was moving slowly. Mm-hmm. And then through my yoga events, I just knew that's where I needed to be full all in. So when I heard the comfort versus courage line, I just knew it was time to step away from the corporate environment and pursue a life of serving full on. So that's where that change happened. Wow. And your yoga events are all over the city and they're all unique and they all still serve 
the Patashu Foundation and other foundations, right? Correct. So I decided when I started this that I wanted it to serve a bigger purpose outside of just yoga. So every single event we've ever done has benefited a nonprofit. So we started in May of 2018 and we were working with the Broader Ripple Farmers Market to raise funds to help the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. Mm -hmm. And that kind of was the launch point to moving to Traders Point Creamery and several other local venues and all just having a good cause uh, associated with it. And I think people really love to show up for that when they're helping someone outside of themselves. Absolutely. And aren't yoga people like the best people? I've never had, I can't, like, I have never had a single issue doing any of these events. And it can be nerve wracking when you have 150 to 200 people filling a barn in one single event, that can be very overwhelming and a lot to manage. But yoga people just, they're there and they're chill and they're ready to support you. So it's amazing. You know, you know well how amazing it is. It is. It is. It's the best. And so in the show notes, we'll definitely put a link to your um, information so people can find your events around town. And if there's any other way that they can um, support your work with the kids, uh, with the Patterson Foundation or any sort of volunteering that you need down there, you know, give us all the. All yeah, the- I think I think. The biggest thing, a lot of nonprofits will say, get out your credit card. Here's the time to make the donation. Mm. But with this specific group, I think it's really important to go and serve two meals before you even make a donation financially, Mm -hmm. because that first meal, you'll understand like it will benefit you and you will feel good and you'll understand what they're doing and what's going on and why this is so important in our community. But the second meal is where the trust starts to happen. So a lot of these kids will see you once and love you and they'll be warm and open. But when you come back and serve the second meal, there's a trust level that's established and they know that you're there to help and to hang out. So I would encourage people before making a donation through any of these events to just go serve a meal at one of these eight schools because that's where the impact is made. Wow. And so are those the same people that pick up the food from your twinkle twinkle toes lady <laughs> you got it she'd love that uh yes so volunteers and actually no they now they now have a delivery service so okay. you just have to go to the school and you start serving right away you just jump right in wow and so is i'm gonna get one more detail because i'm interested inside of that is is the serving work is it like a cafeteria style line or they they served in you know what way So it's meals taken to the kids. So it's like the kid would be eating dinner in a restaurant with Ah. these high, high quality. Usually there's a whole fruit on the tray. First of all, it's reusable trays. So there's a sustainability message there. There's composting. So the kids are learning that they shouldn't just throw everything away, that it's possible to compost. So there's so much education happening, but there's usually a whole fruit. There's a protein There might be a carb dish, but it's really colorful and very healthy. So the kids are served. It's like they're eating dinner in one of these beautiful restaurants. And the goal is that no kids served through this foundation should go to bed hungry. So that's that's really the mission behind it all. And so the volunteers then you said, I think, sit with the kids as well. Yeah, if there's time, because I'm a food explorers educator, I have time to actually sit down and engage and ask questions and ask the kids what their favorite food on the tray is. Sometimes those volunteers are kept pretty busy 
with serving the meal and cleaning up. But I always encourage people if they can to just stay a little longer and form the relationship with the kids. Well, and I guess if you had more volunteers, there would be more time for people to do that work. That's it. And a lot of times there is a shortage and the, the foundation people are the ones who are serving the meals. So it's these people who are working eight to five through the foundation and then going directly to a school to serve the meal. So it's pretty impressive to see these people and the way they're showing up. Wow. Wow. So we will put all the information in the show. Right. Notes. Everybody That's- can come and volunteer and Love it. think what happened just one meeting. You read an article. That's you- it went a little bit farther to meet an 11 year old powerhouse. Yeah. And it changed everything for you. It changed everything. And I think it's something in the spirit of this kid that couldn't be broken. That almost inspired me to, to move. If he can do it as an 11 year old boy, what could I do as a 37 year old who had a list of business contacts in the community who could make big partnerships with places like Traders Point Creamery. So he was really the catalyst to change for me. Wow. So great. Oh my goodness. Aaron Peckinpah. so much this is huge I love hearing more of your story because I've only heard bits and this has just been delightful I so appreciate you and I can't wait to hear how it all continues to unfold well thank you so much Lori thank you have a wonderful day thank you so much for spending this time with me today And so let's practice taking a deep breath through your nose and bring to mind something that you are grateful for Appreciate it deeply. Now notice how you feel. It really is this simple. One statistic says that a gratitude journal practice lowers depressive symptoms by 30% for as long as the practice is continued. So if you want more happiness in your life, Perhaps gratitude journaling is for you, or maybe just these simple gratitude practices that we share together. So if you want more joy, more gratitude, more connectivity in your life, visit my website, lauribisser.com, where you can download a free guided meditation to help increase and keep your creativity flowing as well as your connectivity. There's so much more there to find, more information about yoga, meditation, and life coaching are all there at your disposal, including a link to my YouTube channel where you will find my Meditation Mondays and Slow Down Sundays. Also, please leave me a five-star review on Facebook or Spotify, and I will be happy to give you a shout-out right here. Until next time, I am grateful for you.